You're listening to episode 114 on the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with Mary Carver. I think the biggest thing that has changed for me um, is trying to find joy in the moment because I've always had faith in that I believe things will work out in the end, no matter what the situation is, you know, the death of a loved one, loss of a job, you know, kids drive me crazy, your husband letting me down, you know, whatever the pain is. Um, and I've always believed things will work out. All things work together for the glory of God and, you know, the good of those who love him. I, I trust that. I believe that. But that's more of a, a long-term hope. And Sarah had that, sure, but she also found joy in the everyday, no matter how ugly that everyday could be. Hey, y'all. Today, I am chatting with Mary Carver, and we're narrowing in on this topic of how do we decide to be joyful in the midst of whatever we're dealing with? And the example we are focusing in on is Mary's good friend, Sarah Frankel. Now, Sarah was known online as Gitson Girl. For two decades, she suffered with an autoimmune disease, and unfortunately, at the age of 38, that disease took her life. She left an indescribable mark on her community because of her decision to see the best no matter what her everyday looked like. And so we're going to take some lessons from her pain and from her joy, and we're going to apply them to whatever you're going through, whether you're mom or not, whether you have chronic pain or not. We each need to hear these lessons from Sarah, uh, and I'm so thankful to Mary. Mary uh, sat down and wrote this book, Choose Joy, taking Sarah's writings from online and and kind of weaving them together so that we have uh, this treasure of a book. So for me personally, I don't know about y'all, I struggle with the joy in the everyday because I'm always holding my kids and my husband to this unattainable standard. Uh, I feel like there's these expectations and ideals that keep me from joy and I'm missing the best life that God gave me now because I'm thinking we could always be doing better. I don't know if that resonates with anyone. I have a couple more thoughts on that that I'll share at the end of the interview. You'll also notice we spent a little bit of time at the beginning of the show talking about Valentine's Day, which was a month and a half ago. But I'm getting this episode up. I'm excited to share it with you. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Mary, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey there. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I've survived Valentine party preparation for four boys, and they are all off doing their parties, and, um, and I get to talk to you. Which is great. Which Perfect. Is- yes. I sent my daughter off this morning with her frozen Kleenex box that she's using as a Valentine's box, what? her store, her store bought cards that yeah. she wrote the names on yeah. and frozen strawberries that I signed up to take because I didn't actually want to plan a game or attend the party. No. <sighs> That's no, what I did. That was very wise. I, I <laughs> definitely think that I lost in the Pinterest game this year because uh, I just yeah. did Walmart. The, there was mm-hmm. going out of business right by, by us, so it was like 50% off all the candy Valentines. And I was like, score. Uh-huh. That's yep. it. That's what you guys are doing. Ring pops. Put your name on it. Done. 
And I've never heard of a Walmart going out of business. Yeah, like a neighborhood Walmart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It was I like know the, that's beside the point, but no, oh. it was amazing. I think they went down to like 70, 75% off. Like oh, just sweet. regular stuff. Yeah. That you buy. Like paper yeah. towels. So um yeah. So yeah, that was my Valentine's and I'm really, I'm really, really thankful that that's over. Like they were spread out all across this week. And oh, so goodness. I don't know which is worse, having it spread out or all on one day. Yeah. I mean, so the downside of spread apart is that one boy comes home with a lot of yummy things and the oh, other gotcha. boys are like, what's up? Why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what's the story here, mom? Why does this brother have privilege and I am the three-year-old with nothing? So, Well, that's because we like your brother better. He's a favorite. <laughs> we send him to school and people give him stuff <laughs> and that's just it. So you know, that's how, how it works. That, well, they'll be rejoicing tonight when everyone realizes how how it went down so that is how i'm doing okay so y'all listening you listening one person who's listening at a time (laughs) you um this is really a special interview because it's unlike anything i've ever done before mary and i were talking about its uniqueness so mary you were asked to help write and like gather the writings of a precious gal um, Sarah Frankel, who um, who struggled for almost two decades with a chronic uh, pain uh, terminal disease. Yes. And so at the age of 38, which I'm not going to say that's how old I am, she um, passed away in 2011, mm-hmm. September 2011. And the reason why you were asked and why we even have her writing is that she was uh, she was actually chronicling on a blog, um, her journey. And it wasn't, um, all the negatives, but she was different. So tell us a little bit about Sarah. Help us get to know her a little bit more. Sure. I'd be happy to. Well, I quote unquote, you can't see my finger quotes, but (laughs) I met, uh, Sarah online I don't know how exactly. I think I saw her comment on somebody else's blog. And, right. you know, back in the day, we all had extra time in our, our <laughs> blogging lives. <laughs> and so I clicked over to her blog and I read some things that she wrote. And she was really funny. And it wasn't until I had been reading her blog for a little while that I realized, oh, this lady is sick. Like there's mm. something wrong with her. And so then I click around and read her about page and find out she has this autoimmune disease called Bear with me. Yeah. Ankylosing spondylitis. I'm so glad you said it because I was like avoiding it at all costs. I've, I have That's practiced. Really... No okay. joke. That's um, it sounds horrible. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, I guess like a lot of health conditions, um, it doesn't affect everyone the same, but it mm. affected Sarah in all the worst ways possible. Mm. And then she had complications on top of that because of the disease, because of medications, all these different things. And so as it progressed, um, she became, she had more and more problems uh, with lots of pain, lots of GI issues, um, was allergic to more and more of her favorite foods, was eventually allergic to basically the world Mm. um, and became, she wasn't really the boy in the bubble, but kind of became the girl in the condo Mm. because after a while she wasn't able to leave at all. But the crazy thing was, she wasn't depressed about it. I mean, I know that she had her moments, but she decided somewhere along the way that she was not going to let her circumstances, as awful as they seemed 
to the rest of us, uh, steal her joy, Mm. that she was going to lean hard into her faith and find the gifts that God was giving her. And, um, the thing that blows me away every single time I read it or I share it with someone is that when she was asked, well, how do you define joy? Cause that's kind of a, yeah. you know, it's one of those words. We all have different definitions and I'm not going to get it exactly right. But the part that stuck with me, she said, you know, it's, I don't know, finding the beauty that God gives us um, and the blessings, not despite our circumstances, but because of them. Mm. What the heck? I mean, her (laughs) circumstances were terrible. And she called, like, she would say her disease was a gift because her life, she knew, she believed that her life was actually better. Her soul was better because of what she was living in, you know, what she was struggling with every day. And so she just decided she was going to choose joy. That was kind of her her mantra. Choose joy was. And emphasis on the choose part. because it's really kind of an attitude and a a mental decision. And so she wrote about that, but she also wrote about her favorite TV shows and (laughs) how if you're not eating your Oreos frozen, you're not living at all. Mm. Um, (laughs) Well, and I think that like, you know, she, she was a single gal in her condo, like you said, Mm -hmm. and some of us living this crazed life with Valentine's Day parties and like, oh, wow, I can sit in my condo. Like, that sounds kind of nice. But right. I think what struck me is thinking, you know, because sometimes personifying and uh, identifying with a person we didn't know. I saw a picture of her um, her family mm-hmm. when they were all little. And she's mm-hmm. the baby of five, two two sisters, two brothers. And I was picturing my four boys. And I was picturing, you know, all the hopes her parents had for her, her being the baby. So she's probably totally just idolized in their family. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes about, her, you know, she could sing beautifully. Um, yeah. She could dance. She she was really talented. She was really outgoing and and uh, lots of friends and and all that. All that got sculpted away, you know, mm-hmm. out of her yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and she had every right to gr- to grieve, which I think she did grieve, but also, yes. but, but the fact that she didn't just grieve, like you're saying, like she, right. she didn't stay there. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's huge. I loved this, uh, quote she mentions, and I know you've heard it a lot is, um, too many people miss the silver lining because they're expecting gold. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Like, because I think that's true for all of us, you know, oh, whether we have a terminal disease or not is the expectation piece. Right. So how did that fit with Sarah, this um, missing well, the Sarah, silver lining because they expect gold? Yes. You know, like you said, she was so talented and so outgoing and active in her young life. And so she had expectations that that would just continue because Mm. we all expect that, you know, she expected to get married and have lots of kids. She loved kids, Mm. Um, you know, and to have this career, she started her career working, writing for a magazine. Um, You know, she hoped to travel and then all of that, all of it was taken away. You know, she didn't, she wasn't able to 
get married and have kids. She wasn't able to continue in a career. She wasn't able to travel the world, much less leave her, her small apartment. And so what she had expected her life to look like, you know, even just being able to go out on a Saturday night with her girlfriends, she wasn't Mm -hmm. able to do that. Um, You know, it was completely different, so different. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I, maybe since I've known Sarah and I've worked on this book, I would be better equipped if my life took that turn. But I feel like just in my, in my natural state, I would be so bitter. Hmm. I would be so angry. And I I think it would take, it would be hard for me to get past that. Um, And not that she, like you said, not that she didn't grieve, not that she didn't have uh, moments of anger or fear, but she went straight back to God every Mm. time Mm. and said, okay, well, this isn't, you know, my life doesn't have X, Y, and Z. So what does it have? Right. And so she would even write it out on her blog or in her journals, like, okay, I am thankful for this and this and this. And her list would go on and on and on. And it was so funny because I read through her entire blog many, many times while working on the project. And so I kind of saw some patterns in her writing. Of course, we all have them. And she ended so many of her blog posts with the words, I am blessed. I am so blessed, people. Mm. Mm. Because that was a choice she made. She wasn't going to keep looking for that gold because she knew it wasn't going to be there. And she wasn't going to keep regretting it's, you know, that she was never going to see it. She took that silver and she ran with it. Uh, I think she said something else that I loved was focusing on living the best life with what I have in that moment. That's what you're describing. Yes. Yes. Not, and, not know, what could be, what my kids could be or what, what I could be or how my husband should be better. But yeah, <laughs> giggle, giggle. Yes. <laughs> um, focus on living the best life with what I have in that moment. Yes. And I think that that attitude for me is what really moved me when I first um, started reading a little more deeply into Sarah's blog and her writings and getting to know her as a person. Because on the on the outside, it would seem like she and I had nothing in common. Right. Because when I you know first came across her blog and got to know her, um, you know, I was a full time working mom. I had one daughter. Um I could leave my house. I mean, there's a big difference right there, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but we all have disappointments. I mean, I was working, but it was a job that I had had to take um, for the paycheck, and I hated it. And so I was very disappointed with that. And I, I spent a lot of time looking for the gold and being mad that I didn't have gold in that particular situation. And um, – you know, you and I talked before about how there's a big gap between my kids. I have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old right now. And a large part of that is because um, my oldest daughter was born early and I got really, really sick. Mm. And so I was really scared to have any more kids for a long time. Mm. And so that, you know, that's a kind of pain and disappointment and life not turning out the way you expect it. And just anything that I think we as moms and wives face I don't, I don't know that anybody has dreamed of their, the life that they end up with. You know what I mean? Right. And so I don't know. I think just reading about Sarah's life 
gave me perspective on my hardest days to say, okay, Mary, come on. Life is not really that bad, is it? Mm. But also when life has felt like it was just as bad as anybody else's could be, reminding me that I have the choice on how I approach it. Mm. And so I think that I know for me, even though on the surface, Sarah and I didn't have a whole lot in common as far as what our lives looked like in the day to day. Um, it spoke to me anyway, because I think that hope is needed no matter what your life looks like. Yeah. Yeah. When how you said she, uh, would chronicle the hard thing, count the blessing and end with I'm blessed makes me think of David in the Psalms mm. and he's literally being chased. He's, his life is in danger by a murderer. He's like being chased by a murderer and a king. And um, he's being accused of things. And this is before he made some wrong choices. But he he constantly goes back to the goodness of God and his character. And uh, I think that's the key with this joy. Because sometimes, like you said, we define joy differently. Mm -hmm. We can go think that means Pollyanna or happy um, so I just need you to be happy. Right. And I think that there was a depth to Sarah's writing that went beyond happy mm-hmm. to the goodness of God in her circumstances, despite her circumstances, and clinging to his goodness. And that joy was um, a soul joy, like a, a yeah. you know, you and I have heard this, not happy, but joyful, but I think rooted in God is the key to that joy. Yes. I mean, that's why she could choose joy because she trusted God implicitly. Mm -hmm. She trusted that no matter how hard her life on earth got, that it was all going to turn out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe not here. And for her, it didn't, but you know, like the Bible says, you know, we do not grieve as the world grieves because we know that Sarah's dancing in heaven now Mm. and she gets to sing her lungs out for the rest of eternity. Um, She talked about how even when things were hardest, when the physical pain was so hard or the loneliness was so hard um, that she trusted God's plan for her life, even when it included those things, because she believed that he was using, she didn't, she never said God made me sick. She never said that, Mm. but she said, I am sick and God is using that to heal my heart, to heal my soul, to make me a better person, to draw me closer to him, to allow me to serve others in a way I never would have if I was busy in an active life as a healthy person. And tell us, tell us some of that. I want to hear some of like what, like for someone who is in chronic pain right now and feeling uh, maybe they're watching the world and you can watch the world a little better from a bed now with uh, internet. Like you can be on Facebook and see all the amazing fun things everybody's doing or awesome things people are doing with their lives. And you can feel a little bit useless, um, just taking up space. Yeah. What were some things that she did to serve others from her bed. I I interviewed some of Sarah's friends and family before Mm -hmm. I started working on the book. And it was interesting because I heard 
I heard them talk about how Sarah was a great friend or sister or daughter before she ever got sick. You know, she was very personable, very caring, very giving. But the interesting thing is that as she got sicker and, but then as her spirit grew, those things blossomed. That part of her just, just kind of blew up because she had the time to give people Mm. and she, she didn't have to, she could have used that time to, I mean, I think maybe if I had extra time, I'd maybe read all the books in the world or yeah. catch up on some TV or, you know, and, yeah. and not that she didn't do those things, but she really wanted to serve other people and connect with other people. And so as I talked to different friends of hers or family members, so many of them said the same thing that I had thought myself. So I drove up to Iowa. Sarah lived in Iowa. I live in Missouri. Um, before she passed away, I drove up to visit her. And just for an afternoon, um, and I drove up there so excited to see her and hug her and, you know, just let her know how much I cared about her. And when I got in my car to drive home, I thought, Mary, you are such a jerk. All you did was talk about yourself. Mm. And I felt like I had let her down because she just asked me these great questions and I, well, you know, it'd be rude not to answer them. And I like to talk, especially about <laughs> myself. And so I did. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing was I, I heard so many of her other friends say the same thing. Mm. They said, we'd go over to see Sarah, you know, to check in on her. And she didn't want to talk about herself. She just wanted to hear about us. Mm. You know, she never let us. Not, not that she didn't let people in. Of course, she shared, but she she made each person feel so important. Mm. Whoever she was with, you walked away feeling like you were the most important person to her in that moment and that she truly wanted to know you and know about your life and what was going on in your heart. And so it wasn't that I was a jerk that first time I met her in person. It was that that's how she related to people. She loved people by connecting with them and focusing on them. And I mean, I know that's something I'm not good at because there's always my phone's always nearby or there's mm. a computer on or there's too many kids in the room or, you know, dinner needs to be made or laundry or whatever. There's always something else pulling my attention. Right. And for Sarah, because she wasn't able to have so many of those other things, she could just settle into herself, settle into a conversation and focus. Mm. You know, and she said, it doesn't matter if we're face to face or not. If I'm reading your email, that is the only thing I'm doing. I'm reading your message and I'm hearing your heart and I'm praying for you and then writing you back, mm. you know, or phone call or, you know, face to face visit. And so that was the the biggest way I think she served the people in her community. And she did it with her blog that reached all the way around the world. Mm. Um, but she definitely did that with her personal relationships. So she was present. Like you yes. that would describe her. She, she was all in when she was with you and um, yes. didn't allow her. She had a right to complain. She had a right to um, do the woe is me in your presence. But, Instead, like you said, the choice, she chose um, to turn her attention to others and lift them up and encourage them 
with yes. what she had. Yes. She, she had. even, yes, that's exactly it. Being present and being all in. Those are the exact words that we should use. Mm. Um, I mean, she even she even wrote about a couple times how friends would kind of uh, scold her for not sharing enough about her own struggles. Mm. Because, you know, friends would say, look, we want to care for you, too. We want to give back to you what you're giving to us. Mm. But she just she didn't want to focus on that. But she tried, you know, she she tried to find that balance. You know, being transparent, being authentic, of course, but then also just focusing on the other people. So for the mom at home who's got three young kids, she could feel like she's a girl in a condo, right? Like she could feel like she's trapped. um, She's not able to get out when she wants, even though there's, you know, maybe the chronic, the physical pain that. Sarah went through and we can't do a direct comparison, but I think that there's lessons like you and I've said that we can all gain from Sarah and we've already heard some great ones, but what have been some things that have changed you from having known Sarah as you enter into your life as a mom? I think the biggest thing that has changed for me, um, is trying to find joy in the moment Mm -hmm. because I've always had faith in that I believe things will work out in the end, no matter what the situation is, you know, the death of a loved one, loss of a job, you know, kids drive me crazy, your husband letting me down, whatever the pain is. Um, and I've always believed things will work out. All things work together for the glory of God and you know, the good of those who love him. I, I trust that. I believe that, but that's more of a, a long-term hope. And Sarah had that, sure, but she also found joy in the everyday, no matter how ugly that everyday could be. Mm. And so for me, I've I've tried harder to not not put that joy off, but to to find pieces of it here and now. Mm. Um and I think that I mean, I think that's a big difference. Not I mean, like my my girls and my husband might be like, really, Mary, you do that every day? <laughs> really? Interesting. <laughs> Sounds nice on a podcast. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, my, my daughter, while I was working on the book, there were a few times she would say, Mommy, remember, we're choosing joy. <laughs> and um, I'm now speaking to her again. No. <laughs> no, you're, yeah, yeah, you've forgiven her for that. No, I think uh-huh. it's, I think it's uh, the lens. Uh, we know. We know. Yes. We know we need to have the lens of gratitude. We know we need to see our life um, – and the blessings like today I was, you know, about to rush out the door to take the boys to school and look down and uh, there was a Star Wars uh, gun in my purse, like hanging out of my purse. <laughs> I can be like, what, guys, stop putting stuff in my purse. But I kind of like smile like this is my life right now is mm-hmm. that there's like this toy Star Wars gun like sticking out of my purse, which is awesome. Um, and to see the joy in that and uh, I think the more – the more people you interact with, uh, whether it's an older mom or uh, a person who is going through a hard time physically, uh, suffering of some kind, it does give you that lens of not, oh, I'm so glad I'm not going through what they're going through. Like right. in, in comparison to their suffering, oh, I'm so glad. Because I don't think comparing is really where the joy is, right? No, no. The classic comparison is the thief of all joy. I think it's saying, like you have said and like we said, focusing on the 
on living the best life we have in that moment. The best life I have I have with four boys is chaotic, but it will yeah. be quiet in, uh, let's see, 14 years. It's going to be pretty quiet <laughs> in my house. You know, yes. like the, this isn't my forever. And I think Sarah knew that wasn't her forever. She saw the end was coming. How was she going to make the most? And was the life she'd been given worth living if it was uh, not choosing joy and the and the joy that comes from deep belief in the God who is good? Like, yeah. what kind of life would that be? And and I think we so easily, when things we aren't in suffering, live a pretty awful life because yeah. we don't even recognize how much we're complaining and we're lacking gratitude. Like, we just kind of like go through the motions and. I don't know. What do you think about the everyday for us not going through suffering? Yeah, I think that we can. Um, I think we can easily forget how much beauty there is. Yeah. And there are reasons. There are valid reasons why it's hard to see beauty, mm. why there's why it's hard to see gifts. Um, you know, my so I'm not trapped in a condo because of my health, but my husband works nights. And so when he leaves for work after dinner, conveniently right before bath time and bedtime. It's genius. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am trapped in my house. Yeah. I am stuck here. I cannot leave. You know, if I get invited to a girls' night out or a book club or whatever, I either can't go or I have to pay a babysitter, which I would rather not. And mm-hmm. so I can get, just me personally, I can get really wrapped up in that. Like, oh. My life is terrible. My husband's schedule, this job, my kids, I'm trapped here. Mm. But duh, I'm not trapped here, first of all, perspective. And then my husband works really hard. Mm. And that's that's a blessing right there. Even if I went no further down my list of blessings, like I have a husband who works hard. Not everyone does. Mm. And so, you know, and then, Okay, so let's just use the word trapped. I'm trapped here with these kids. Well, who are these kids? Oh, my gosh. They are hilarious. They're yours. Because, yeah, they're mine. (laughs) And what do we do after dad leaves for work? We turn on YouTube and find kids bop songs and have a dance party just about every night. Right. I mean, life's not that hard. Right. So I think, you know, we all have legitimate reasons that cause us some some level of pain. Um, But... Mm. I think we peel that back, you know, and or we put a different lens on our eyes, whatever metaphor we want to use. And there's beauty there. Yeah. Well, and, even I'm going to give an example that Sarah used because I think for some people they'd be like, oh, that must be nice. YouTube dance parties. So hard. Like they the descriptions that Sarah gives sometimes uh, one stands out was she was supposed to go hear a friend um, mm-hmm. in a band mm-hmm. and her Another gal picked her up and she goes to get out of the car at the venue and she can't walk either towards the venue and she can't walk back into the car. Like she's literally like her body has stopped working and she can't froze up physically walk. Mm -hmm. And so her friend, uh, I think, was it her friend's brother's band or something? Yes. She graciously took Sarah back home and got her set up back home and then, you know, missed the first set of the band and, um, Sarah could have like really gone to a dark place because of that. Like right. that's for an extrovert. Uh, that's yes. me. I know Mary, we don't, we aren't the same on that, but like that's 
horribly sad to me to miss on a, where everyone's at and then to cause your friend to miss out right. on their brothers. Right. Like I would feel all of the weight of that. But instead, Sarah with the lens and the choosing joy was, thank you, God, that you gave me friends who are willing to do all of these things. Right? Yes. Yes. And yeah, I just, that's, that I hope is the goal of today's podcast, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, it's going to look completely different from Mary's, completely different from mine, completely different from Sarah's. But are you expecting gold and missing the silver lining? And what could you focus on right now to live the best life with what you have in this moment? Even in that moment with that person across the table from you, are you seeing them? Are you wishing you were someplace else? That fear of missing out is Mm -hmm. the thing that the reason why fear of missing out is just robbing us of joy is that we're not, we're on a phone looking at people at a place we're not included in right? (laughs) missing out on what we have right now. I, you know, I just, I just love those messages and I hope that they really, that we really like apply them, you know, and we need the reminders. I know we're very forgetful people. Oh yeah. Cause most of this, it's stuff that we know or stuff we've heard yeah. before, but I think for me seeing it in technicolor in Sarah's <laughs> life, right. you know, such a dramatic example of choosing joy despite circumstances that it sticks with me a little bit more mm. and helps me remember even on my, you know, regular pastel days that I can still choose joy. Mm. I can do that. So good. Thank you, Mary, for coming on today and chatting Thank with us you. about Sarah. Yes. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. And then you'll have to come back on sometime and we'll just talk about TV shows and pop culture. and Because that's I what am. the God Center Mom podcast is about. Well, you know that's what I'm about. I'm always <laughs> oh, up for that chat. <laughs> oh, we'll, just have to, we'll just have to talk on the side about that. Well, thank you for being on. Go give those girls hugs when when you can, when they're home back I from all their them. Valentine's Day parties. And uh, yeah, so good to talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. So to add to this discussion of choosing joy, no matter our circumstances, I had the privilege of getting to go to a super fun uh, dinner party. There were 12 of us that sat at dinner. And I don't know if you remember Kay Wyman and I talking about this dinner party where we met uh, years ago, six years ago. Uh, I sat next to her and we discussed a little booklet written by Adam Smith. He's an economist and it was put out by this company ministry. I don't know what you'd call them organization called the Trinity forum. And they publish these great little booklets that are perfect to give to all your party guests, your dinner party guests, have them read. And then when they come to the dinner, you'll have something to talk about. And the night that Kay and I met, I didn't know anyone, but the host, Kevin, And then this other dinner party, I only knew Kay, her husband, and Kevin, and the other uh, eight people I had never met. And we discussed this book, uh, this short story called The Birthmark by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Nathaniel Hawthorne, you may remember from high school English class, wrote the book The Scarlet Letter. And he has a Puritan heritage. He was alive during the 1800s and... His writing time was in an era of transcendentalism and just this whole concept of 
combining matter and spirit and what we see and what we don't see and rationalism and all this stuff. Anyway, his this story is about a husband and a wife. The husband uh, is a science guy and he marries his wife and she has this birthmark on her face and it didn't bother him until after they were married. Once they were married, it started to really bother him and he... Uh, told her such and she has this great line where she says to tell you the truth it has been so often called a charm her birthmark has so often be called called a charm that she was simple enough to imagine it to be so and that in itself reminds us of the power of words right if we tell our kids that something's great about them even if it may not it may be different they'll believe us usually and then when we tell someone or we decide that the social standard is something uh, else and what you have is different and wrong, then we get obsessed with wanting to get rid of it. And so this husband wants to use his scientific prowess, all his research and uh, information to change her. And in doing so, he uh, she actually ends up dying. And the lesson in it, a dark, romantic, romantic little story, is are we satisfied with what is the imperfectness of this world? Or are we, is our longing for more and our longing for perfect and our longing for heavenly good actually inhibiting us from enjoying the now? So, you know, this birthmark was a visible flaw that this husband saw it as a flaw. I think we do that with our spouse, our kids, our friends, people in our lives that we're close to. There's this thing that we fixate on and we can't, we wish it would change. Why don't they act this way? Why don't they do this? And it, it actually divides us in our relationship. It makes us look down on that person because of that thing. And I love this line in the introduction of this little booklet. It, it says, Uh, that Hawthorne offers a haunting warning about the perils of pride and perfectionism to love and beauty and life itself. He also offers a view of a far greater love that unites rather than controls. I think if you could go throughout your day-to-day, if I can go out throughout my day-to-day, and instead of trying to control and manipulate every situation to the way I think would be perfect... (laughs) or because the pride is that I think it should be my way, I'm actually causing division. But if my goal is to love as is and unite as the life that I've been given, the people that I've been given, then then love love does not become a divide, divisive thing. It, it is not controlling. Uh, and we can see like this world, we are bound by the fallenness of this world. We just are. Sickness is a reality. Death is a reality. Hard relationships are a reality. And if you believe in prophecy, and if you believe we are close to the end times, there's a lot of prophecy about kids getting more disobedient. People, if you read through it, you're like, yeah, that kind of sounds like like how we're living now. It's just, it's, it's, it's a hard life, but that does not mean we cannot have joy in it. And uh, there's one character in this story I haven't mentioned yet. It's like the little minion-y lab guy that helps the main character accomplish or fail to accomplish the task of removing the birthmark. And he makes a statement. He says, if she was my wife, 
I would leave the birthmark as it is. I mean, he recognizes that's that's just who she is and how she was made. And he saw the beauty in it. So I don't know if that helps you. I think because it was fresh on my mind from the discussion last night. I just made me realize how how often am I looking at my life and am I analyzing it and am I finding the flaws and am I in my pride and my perfectionism wanting to change them best as I can in my very failed attempts instead of embracing what is and making the best out of it. So may you and I embrace the mystery of God's grace in and through the imperfections of this world, recognizing that hope prevails even in sorrow, even in suffering on this earth. Okay, let's go do this. Let's go love as is. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.